interesting morning of worship and just soaking, marinating in the presence of the Lord. <coughs> My prayer for each of us out of this ongoing journey, adventure of faith, that we can let Jesus take us into those places of living from our hearts. <coughs> Excuse me. Bonnie, could you find in, my, in the side pocket of my uh, case, there's, uh, I think, some cough drops, some halls. <coughs> and if you would, just pray with me that Jesus would give me a bit of relief from this scratchy throat this morning. Lord, thank you for who you are, and thank you that we have sung this morning that you are our healer. What an amazing time we could share together in that intimacy and communion. By his stripes, by his wounds, you and I are healed. It's beyond my ability to get my mind wrapped around that. I, I'll be the rest of my life trying to understand how incredible that is. That the God of the universe chooses to come and live in you and live in me by His Holy Spirit. It's just beyond belief. <clears throat> Your promise still stands, we sing. Great is Your faithfulness. There's no one like You. Can you, you latch on to that this morning? This week, can you find yourself in a place where that is true and that that's where you live as a beloved son of Almighty God? A princess where you feel, where you live deep, deep in your heart that you're daddy's girl, that you're a princess. When you and I can begin to go there, there's not much that can rock our our boat. Thank you, babe. <laughs> well, I like that. <laughs> I don't know why she's so resistant to my affection in public. I didn't grow up with that. <clears throat> so bless and encourage Bonnie when you have a chance. <clears throat> One more thing before we get started. Uh, Ryan, would you lead us in a happy birthday celebration for Pastor John? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, dear John. Happy birthday to you. How many, how many of you know what John did yesterday? He got up and he walked 
30 miles. And I think it was at what, $600 per mile? Yep. This is for a project in Honduras. In Honduras. Wow. I believe that Jesus received that as a thank offering, as a, as glory to him because of what he does. I reminded you yesterday that when we started the week, we were talking about ways to care for our hearts. Keep your heart with all diligence, with all keeping, because it flows the essence of your life. You and I live there. And if we're not taking care of our hearts, if our hearts are broken and twisted and corrupted or addicted or abused, there won't be much flow. They'll be locked. Uh, in pain. And so I said that number one, foundationally, it's about your and my identity, knowing that we know that we know who we are in Christ. <clears throat> we didn't spend a lot of time on repentance, but that's a whole other um, part of heart health, cardio support that you and I need to give attention to. We talked a lot about forgiveness, uh, about heart healing. We're not going to get um, to spend a lot of time around fears. Um, I think uh, probably if it's not the most common command in Scripture, it's second. And that is fear not. Don't be afraid. Which tells me that that's one of the enemy's primary targets against you and me. And we heard it this morning. And God has not given you and me a spirit of fear. That spirit of fear has to come from the enemy, from the pit. And so I would just encourage you, do your due diligence. Make um, purpose to stay on an intentional journey, whatever it takes. Don't live another day um, paralyzed, held hostage by fear. Um, the enemy, we talked a bit about the strongholds, the way that the enemy finds a place and then builds a stronghold, a fortress, which for me, my understanding is just simply a way of thinking built around those lies. I'm stupid. I, why, in the, why did I say that? Um, or even, you know, the, the enemy doesn't give up. It doesn't make any difference how old we are, what the, where we are in the journey. He will keep. He may let us alone in one area for a time, but if he knows that it's a weak link, he'll come back. <clears throat> and so there's times when the thought comes, why do you think you have anything to say to this group of young people? Look at where you've been. Look at the places of failure in your hall of shame. Give it up. And then I say, yeah, you're right. But like Jeremiah says in 31:34, he forgives our sins 
and he remembers our iniquities no more. So here's Almighty God who knows everything, all-powerful, but he chooses to forgive. He chooses to forgive. Grovel in my shame. He picks me up and he says, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I don't remember that. That's forgiven. Are you, are you connecting with that? It doesn't get any better than that, folks. That's dancing territory. My father doesn't thank you. That was, anybody else want to say amen? <laughs> My father doesn't remember. <clears throat> this has been an amazing week for me. I didn't have no idea what I was getting into. Uh, I've been discovering that many of you have lived and walked a journey mine um, as a dad um, with my kids. I, I told the guys upstairs in our prayer meeting this morning that on my sort of to-do list, I probably never should get to it, but I think one of these days I should write a, an article document with the title, I Raised My Kids in a Cult. Um, because a, a lot of where I lived and my focus was, <clears throat> it was truth, but it was mixed with a lot of lies. If my kids were here uh, with you this morning, they'd be pretty delighted to detail some of that for you. And the pain, the pain uh, that they experienced and the price that they paid emotionally along the way. But um, So I just want you to know that I'm, I'm so grateful uh, to be with you in ways that you've shared your hearts. There was a man who was exploring caves uh, along a seashore. And in one of those caves, he found a, a, a canvas bag with a bunch of what looked like hardened clay balls. It was like someone had rolled up clay balls and left them lay out in the sun to bake. And they didn't look like much, but they intrigued the man. Uh, so he took the bag out of the cave with him along the beach he would throw the clay balls one at a time out into the ocean as far as he could send them. He didn't think much about it until he dropped one of the clay balls. And it cracked open on a rock. And inside was a beautiful, precious stone. Excited. He started breaking open the remaining clay balls. And each one contained a similar treasure. He found thousands of dollars worth of jewels in the 20 or so clay balls that he had left. And then it struck him. He'd been on the beach a long time. He'd thrown maybe 50 or 60 of the clay balls with their hidden treasures into the ocean waves. And instead of thousands of dollars, 
He could have taken home tens of thousands. But he had just thrown it away. It's like that with people. Oftentimes, even ourselves, and we see that external clay vessel, the clay ball. It doesn't look like much from the outside. It isn't always beautiful or sparkling, and so we tend to judge the person as you could help me with the list is homely or stupid or ugly or bad. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And we see that person as less important than someone who's beautiful or stylish or well-known or wealthy or brilliant, but we haven't taken the time to find the treasure hidden inside. There is a treasure inside each one of us. And if we take the time to get to know the persons around us, the persons that, that God brings across our paths, that we bump into, if we ask God to show us, to let us see that person through His eyes, let us see them the way the, way the Father sees them, then the clay begins to break and peel away and the brilliance of the treasure inside, the gem inside, begins to shine forth. <clears throat> My prayer for myself and for this, would you not let any of us and discover that we've thrown away an absolute fortune treasure in friendships because those gems were hidden in bits of clay. Will you help us to see each other, the people in our lives, the way you see them? I've been blessed this week. Bonnie and I have been blessed by the gems of friendship that you have shared with us. Thank you so much. Just in case, over the next year or two or three, if any of you find yourselves in, in a relationship on the verge of walking the aisle somewhere and, and connecting with someone, and you would like to plow deep into relationships, uh, into your relationships, if you haven't gotten there, and if you, have, if you haven't asked the deep why questions, I'd be delighted to hear from you. I'd love to spend three or four days with you and and uh, a potential partner and just what the walls, the barriers are that you might anticipate or that you can get rid of before you say your I do's. One of the one of the highlights, one of the blessings in my journey has been to spend time with couples premaritally. And trust the Father to take down the walls, take down the barriers before that journey begins rather than 10 or 20 or 30 years in. So I've given you an email address uh, and a phone number if just in case. Somebody said, why don't you show us some pictures? 
like the like that bumper sticker. Have I shown you the, the pictures of my grandkids yet? Here it goes. Bonnie and I got married on the beach. Um, this is <clears throat> this is my family: two girls, two boys, um, and uh, then three granddaughters, two grandsons with two little guys uh, who live just across uh, in Boone. And Sunday afternoon after the wrap-up, Bonnie and I are going to head across to Boone to try to spoil those two little guys just a little bit more. These are <clears throat> three of Bonnie's family. On, on my left, uh, two of her sons. Uh, the one on the end is single, lives in, in uh, Abbeville area, principal of a Christian school. Next to me, just got married this past December. And her only daughter and her husband live in southeast Georgia. The other son is a traveling physical therapist, lives in California. And since they were not able to come to our wedding, we went to celebrate with them on the beach, California. Uh, and this is um, middle son, her middle son with their two little guys. <clears throat> so... In the next, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, uh, <clears throat> I'd like to look at, at generational patterns that you and I, uh, we all live with, or we know it or not. Um, I remember very well one afternoon, I could, I'm not sure that the cabin is still there in northwestern Ontario, uh, where I was standing having a, a conversation with an older itinerant prophetic evangelist. Um, we were having a, a warm debate, just the two of us. I, that, that probably is an understatement. But at a certain point in the conversation, out of what was a great deal of frustration with me, as a much younger man, he looked at me and he said, you are just a very proud man. And I'll admit, it seemed harsh and uncalled for at the time. But as I've reflected since then, he was speaking truth to me. I was not only proud, but I was also angry. Um, to mention just a few of my, um, my iniquities and my flaws. And I was blind on both of those counts. I've told you earlier this week how I struggled with lust and sensuality. Um, not in all of the, the same ways, but when I began to understand the power of generational sin patterns, and I began to trust Jesus to break those chains, to cut, to cut those roots to my past that I found increasing and ongoing freedom. And it's these family patterns, family sin patterns, if you will, that can have a powerful pull on our hearts. Oftentimes, they're, they're not so easy for you and me to trace or to understand and even to break. Um, I like the way that uh, earlier this week that Matt traced some of those from Scripture. David um, Lusted after a beauty top vantage point, had her brought 
to him, committed adultery, murdered her husband. Then his son Amnon raped his sister Tamar. Tamar's brother Absalom murders Amnon because David couldn't seem to find courage to deal with it in the family, perhaps out of his own sin with Bathsheba. Absalom rebels against his dad, tries to take over the kingdom, defiles David's concubines in the sight of all Israel. David's son Solomon marries countless foreign women, had an abundance of concubines who led him away from God. It was a whole family that was plagued and destroyed, defiled by sin. Abraham. Uh, had a problem of lying. He was afraid someone would kill him and take his wife, uh, even though she was 100 years old. I don't know what Abraham was thinking. She must have been a hot, uh, a hottie. Um, so he said that she was his sister. And he just repeats his dad's lie. But by the time Jacob comes along, what? He earns the nickname of Deceiver. And the pattern goes on. There's another pattern I'd like to highlight in that, in this lineage, and that is, is that of favoritism. Isaac, the son of promise, obviously the favorite of Abraham and Sarah. Poor Ishmael gets thrown under the bus with his mom, Hagar, even though it was Sarah's idea. She was just a pawn in her mistress's plan to have a son. Isaac and and Rebekah then have a couple boys. Isaac prefers Esau. Rebekah prefers Jacob. And then the lying pattern again shows up as Rebekah and Jacob resort to deception to rob Esau of his birthright. And to save his neck, Jacob runs off, and in his life, he gets owned by his father-in-law, who is a much more experienced deceiver. Crazy stories. Well, then Jacob plays favorites with his son, Joseph. Genesis 37, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his sons, made that gorgeous robe for him, causing his brothers to hate him and ultimately sell him into slavery. We'll try to come back to that later. So the question for you and me is, and it's <clears throat> it's come up in a variety of ways, I think, I don't know if from here, but in conversations with some of you, <clears throat> how can we, that was just last evening, I guess, that the question came up, how can you and I honor, <clears throat> honor our family in this journey to personal freedom and healing? And that can be a tightrope for you and me to walk. And so we're back to the issue of self-awareness. <clears throat> self-awareness, remember, never guarantees freedom, but we'll never get to freedom and healing apart from His Spirit opening our eyes and letting us see what those patterns are in our lives. I talked a bit about how in our tribe, We have this fierce sense of loyalty to parents and to elders. 
and I have opportunity to sit with people out of our tribe, I often hear things like, I, I could never talk about my parents. I couldn't talk about such things. We don't do that in our family. I like the way a friend of mine unwraps this. He talks about dishonoring it is to a family to keep repeating those sinful patterns, but how it's honoring to break such family sin patterns, even though it may be painful and it may feel like disloyalty, like dishonoring parents. And so the reality for you and me is we can't break those patterns unless we first become aware of them and are willing to admit them and conquer them. It's never, ever about blame, even though sometimes it feels that way. Please tattoo that on the underside of your eyelids so that every blink you remember. It's not about blame, but it's about Answering God's call to come out of hiding, to come into the light with what to agree with him on, just like our first parents in the garden. So we go to those places so that we can bring ultimate honor to our family legacy by finding victory and freedom. The reality is that those family sin patterns, they affect us. And if we don't go there, those generational issues will continue to have their pull on us. We talked about the different issues of cardio care or cardio support. And oftentimes these issues all work sort of hand in glove. Lies, wounds, fears, bitterness, enemy issues, and so on. And sometimes we'll see a whole family struggling with, with the same kinds of issues. In my case, it was anger that was passed down through the generations. When I was, when I was 10 years old, my parents took, um, I'm, I'm one of six brothers, and my parents took the three oldest of us out west. Um, also, as part of that trip in a, I think it was a 56 Ford. Um, also on that road trip was my grandfather, Showalter, who was a widower. I'll never, ever forget. One day in the back seat, it wasn't me, it had to be one of my brothers, who was uh, playing with his arm and just pulling the hair on his arm. And finally, he got frustrated enough that he sort of carefully exploded. But he said, if this isn't going to stop, you can just stop right here and let me out. Had to be one of my brothers. I, don't, I wouldn't do such a thing. But it got real silent in the car. And my dad turned around and um, made sure that that stopped. But I see now that there were ways that my grandfather carried a certain kind of religiously correct anger, came down to me and on down to my kids. It's, it's that kind of 
pattern. I talked also about pride. And so I keep asking Jesus to help me deal with those issues, break the patterns in my legacy. These uh, family sin patterns, I believe, are there because they've been present. They've been modeled for you and me and for our parents before us, their parents, reinforced down through the generations. And so the question for you and me is how do we, how do we overcome? Like I said earlier, I believe that the beginning and crucial step is to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and take us on a journey of understanding what it may be. Um, I never stopped to ask the why questions until way later than I should have. I'm, I wish I would have been able to have someone help me explore those things when I was your age. As we become aware, we just need to be willing to admit it. Um, understand what the pattern is, how it affects us, how it comes out. Like I said several times before, we can't heal what we won't admit. When I honor the secret, if I keep it a secret, what I do is just reinforce the power of the chains. We haven't gone there in specific ways, but um, I like to very intentionally, when, when Jesus takes me to, to lies, whatever they may be, to just very intent, invite the Holy Spirit to help me break any agreement is and replace the lie with truth. <clears throat> Along the way, I've had more euphemisms, if you will, for anger than you can imagine. I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. Or, I'm not angry. I'm, I'm just irritated. <clears throat> the list goes on. But I'm I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to disconnect in my heart the roots of that anger and also to be willing to admit it when I'm angry. Invite Jesus to cleanse. Another thing that you and I need to do is to make sure that we're, we're not compromising. Um, in some communities when it comes to what? Uh, drug use or whatever. There's They talk about a policy of zero tolerance and I think you and I need to take that policy of zero tolerance we need to get tough uh, at times in our spiritual journey in 1st Corinthians 8 when Paul was talking about that issue of meat offered to idols it wasn't a big deal for him but it was for some folks in that culture uh, he also understood the problem it was uh, to others, and so I think I think what Paul is saying to you and me there is that there are things that one person can do with freedom, but they're off limits for me, for you, because of where we come from and what some of those family sin patterns may have been. If your family has, has a history of alcoholism, moral failure, then find the ways to put some. Hedges, if you will, in place. Maybe you've maybe you've uh, bumped into some of the research around a, a 
um, elementary school playground on the edge of a, a busy street. Um, there's no fence. And so where do the kids spend their time? Huddled up against the wall of the building because that's a busy street. You put up a fence, and where do the kids play? Right up on the very edge of the street against the fence because it's safe now. Sometimes you and I need those kinds of fences. Another thing that can be very, very helpful for you and me is to work, those, work through those kind of issues with a trusted spiritual mentor or guide. Do whatever it takes to get the kind of helpful um, walking with you. Use whatever resources are out there to help you win. God has brought me amazing people uh, around me. And I love the way um, Randall, the tragedy uh, of isolation And that's the enemy's goal with you and me because God created us for relationships and for connection. One person said, if I have to fight a giant, I can tell you this for sure. It won't be alone. Sometimes we need to get seriously radical with our sin patterns before they have a chance to deal radically with you and me. Jesus said, if I look on a woman lustfully, it's the same as adultery. If my eye causes me to sin, get rid of it. Um, We need to find spiritual disciplines sometimes um, that will work to counter whatever those sin patterns are that we're aware of. I, I got acquainted with the work of, uh, I think I mentioned perhaps, the secular uh, Canadian social scientist researcher, Dr. Gabor Mate, who says that the source of addictions, the source is always found in one's early childhood environment. And I, I like unwrapped yesterday uh, those first that first year and a half and what happens in the in the bonding, the attachment. I'm, not, I'm going to resist the urge to chase a couple of rabbit trails uh, and tag on to what he said. Another author said that addictions are always rooted in shame, narcissism. They're self-focused. They're me-focused. And one good way to counter that is to practice some form of self-denial. Um, whatever you and I do to deny ourselves will help to break those patterns of me, me focused. I also always find it very, very helpful to just get quiet and listen to the gentle whispers of the Holy Spirit. And so often Jesus just comes and affirms the Father's love for me. I I latched on to a phrase yesterday afternoon when you and I are anchored, anchored in love. In my other life, it also was helpful for me to apologize uh, when I realized that I had run roughshod over, over Marilyn's heart or my kids, uh, whatever. It was a way of, of focusing on the pride, which... I know that through the generations has been reinforced in my lineage. 
And Bonnie Grayson loudly from the back, but I think sometimes I'm learning it again uh, with her. Another thing that can be helpful for you and me is to, is to get into Scripture and to find the verses that highlight the virtue that is in opposition to what a sin pattern might be. One author says that meditation moves truth from my head to my heart. I like that. And it's time to wrap up. Um, I talked about about how Jacob put a rich, colorful robe on Joseph. Joseph report about his brothers, probably in an effort to guard his favored position there with his dad. His brothers sell him into Egypt, where God smiled on him in favor. <clears throat> But where, God, where, where Joseph got stripped of his robe by Potiphar's wife, who then gives a bad report about him, gets sent to prison. Um, and while he was there, numbers of times it says, the Lord was with Joseph. I like that. The Lord was with Joseph. And then you remember the story, Pharaoh's two servants fall out of favor. They get thrown into prison, have dreams that Joseph interprets the baker loses his head, the butler gets restored uh, to his position serving the king, and Joseph says, please, please, remember me to Pharaoh. And what happens? He forgets him for the next several years. Two years it was pass until Pharaoh had a dream and the butler remembers Joseph. Think about the narrative. Joseph began with a beautiful robe, and a bad report. In Egypt, he loses his robe with another bad report. But here at the end, Joseph again gets a royal robe because of a good report that's shared with him. I don't understand all of that story. I think there was very likely a fair bit of pride in Joseph that got broken. When you and I find our security rooted deeply in the grace of God, we are ultimately secure. We, the past week together, we have, we've repeated amazing words of the worship songs that Andy and Ryan and others have led us in. My prayer is that all of us can live in the truth of what we've sung. It's there. Great is your faithfulness. How does that work? God's grace is lavish and it's impossible to exhaust. Hebrews 12:15. Make sure that none of you, that no one misses, comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness grow up. I don't care how deep, how long, how many generations of sin patterns may be in your line. Jesus said that He came to heal broken hearts. And He loves to do that when you and I come to Him with those broken places. He breaks the chains. He opens prison doors. 
There's no prison that is so deep that his grace cannot reach or where his restoring presence cannot come. He loves to meet you. He's the God of the impossible, the God of miracles. And he'll search us out. And he'll do what only he can do. Help you and me be what he intended us to be from that moment of conception in the womb. So as we close, I'd like to just leave you with a couple reflection, action steps. How might you identify what ongoing sin patterns might be in your lineage? I don't know if you've ever done a genogram. It's just a diagram of family tree which outlines history of behavior, patterns over a couple generations. And it might help you see patterns in your lineage. Are you able to identify, can you see patterns, sin patterns showing up in your life? What might that look like? Are you angry? Was your mom angry? Was your grandma angry? Or what might that look like? And then what are the action steps that you can overcome them? Who are the prayer partners that can walk with you? Pray with you. What kind of spiritual disciplines and so on? What scriptures might you meditate on?